And so I want parents to know how to not instill that way of thought, but that they're helping their kids to learn the opposite, which is be humble, be giving, be responsible, be grateful, and be submissive. Those are qualities that are godly character qualities that are like Jesus Christ. In our parenting series so far, we've explored the biblical role of a parent. We've seen how important it is for parents to both set godly limits in their children's lives and to live out a godly example in their own. It's clear to me as I talk to parents that raising a child well takes tremendous time and energy. It requires years of hard work in order to reap a good spiritual harvest, but it is possible. So today I want to end this series by discussing the need to develop a long-term mindset when it comes to fostering the spiritual growth of your child. That's what's coming up on Purity for Life. conversations we've had so far have had a preventative feel to them, and the truth is a lot of the things we've talked about will be far easier to implement if your child has not already fallen into gross sin. But for some of you, it's too late for that. That's why I'm grateful about our interview with Mark today, because I think some of his answers will be especially helpful for those of you who are looking to lead your child out of the snares and bondage of sexual sin. Mark, here's where I want to start off, because I would imagine that a parent desperately wants their child to overcome. And sometimes, I think you mentioned this in our last episode, that that can almost overshadow every other thing. It's like, get rid of this at any price. Um, But... If we look at this biblically, we see that it's not just that God wants us to reform our behaviors, but he wants to transform our hearts. And if, and if a child isn't, hasn't been reborn or converted, then that heart transformation isn't going to be able to take place. So if a parent is saying, you know what, I don't know if my child has ever been truly born again, what would you what kind of counsel would you give them? It's so important, I think, as a parent to emphasize to your young person their need for Christ. And so this is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to to share uh, with your child the hope of the gospel that Mm -hmm. helps them to see that what they did is sin. It missed the target of what God requires in his word. And they are in a moment where this is an opportunity for them to turn to Christ and then mm-hmm. he'll forgive them and uh, and cleanse them from all unrighteousness, meaning he'll clean them up and give them the strength with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to conquer this at the heart level, behaviorally, as that extends out from the heart. So behaviors yeah. come from the heart. So it's an opportunity for parents to really point them to Christ and to help them to see that they're the problem, you know, not yeah. blaming their grandparents' DNA, their genetics, or their um, environment, uh, you know, with all the pornography and magazines that are everywhere and all that. 
but helping them to see, you know what, it's your desire, your heart that's that's the problem here. Yeah. And there's a fix for it in Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know, it, otherwise, if we call it a disease right. or blame DNA, there's nothing you can do to change that. And Jesus didn't die for any of that, mm-hmm. but he died for our sins. And so helping them to confess it as sin is actually, I think, more gracious and more loving yeah. than trying to blame other things. Yeah, one of the I, I've always found that one of the most compelling examples of of that is that Jesus was a man. Yeah, and he lived a sinless life. And if we weren't sinner sinners, then we would have lived the life that he lived. And but none of us have ever been able to do that. <laughs> yeah, you know it the the idea that we're our own worst enemy and that's why we really need someone to save us mm-hmm. and when we see that need it's amazing what can happen and that's why i think it's an opportunity for parents to show the kids that very need yeah you know without it they don't know that they're quote unquote bad people or sinful sure. people who need the rescuing of jesus christ yeah you know, one of the things we also can't escape is that this life is just, it's a long war mm-hmm. because we do really have, we have a, a place that we're going. Heaven is where we've been called and it's not going to be reached without a fight. And that, you know, that that daily warfare can be small things. It can be minor frustrations. We can have bad moods. It can be minor inconveniences. Um or it can be huge trials or really significant temptations. And I think it can be really easy to miss that in all of those things, whether they're big things or small things, God is trying to do something. He's trying to mold us into um, the image of Jesus. And do you think parents miss that when it comes to their kids? They miss that this could be a something that God would use for really good things in their life. Yeah, I think the way they miss it is they think this is abnormal. Mm. And so they start thinking, oh my goodness, my kid is abnormal. My kid is struggling. Now You see this a lot with even what is commonly called mental illness. I think the Bible teaches us the um, the heart, the, the normal state for all of us is actually one of grief and Mm. sorrow, and struggle, and turmoil, Mm. and desire for worldly things when the Holy Spirit is giving us a new desire for godly things. Mm. And you see that war talked about in Galatians 5.16, that you walk in the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of your flesh. But then it talks about the desires of the Spirit or against the desires of flesh. So there are actually desires that the Holy Spirit gives us. Yeah. For righteousness and for holiness and truth, but what I'm what my point here is is I think parents freak out, respond in a way that they say, "My kid's abnormal. There's something wrong mm. about the sadness they feel, or the brokenness they feel, or the sexual sin they've been caught in, um, and they're abnormal." When really, there's nothing abnormal going on here. It's actually a normal thing. But it's a wrong response, a sinful response to the to the rigors and the and the yeah. fallenness of this world. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So, like post traumatic stress disorder is the big phrase now in addiction counseling and 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 
it's it's being blamed. Somebody has trauma in their lives. That's why they respond in this addictive way. Mm. And that's kind of the the theory. And the deal is, you know, when we experience trauma and hardship, and it, we should be sad about that. Mm-hmm. So to be depressed, to be saddened about the things around us is actually a normal response. God doesn't want us to fall in love with this world and its comforts and all its little mm-hmm. escapes. He wants us to be confronted with, uh, there are hard things in this world to deal with. That's why you need me and, and mm-hmm. to point us back to him mm-hmm. and not look to escape through temporal pleasures that are going to go away uh, to, to escape to him. One of the things that we stress very often at, at Pure Life is that when a person is coming out of a life-dominating sin, repentance is that initial, real, genuine turning away from sin. But that doesn't mean that there will never be failures right. on that pathway out right. of sin. So if a, if a parent sees a genuine desire for a child to change, but there are these failures, how should a parent respond to those failures so that it helps the child? Again, the view of it as abnormal, I think, is, is wrong. So mm. for parents, they need to think there are going to be normal struggles that my kid has with this. I mean, God's created in them a desire for this, you yeah. know, just like... We have to eat, we have to drink water, and you know the, those are our natural appetites, things in us. And I think sex is an appetite similarly. I mean, you don't have to, no one yeah. died from lack of sex, you know, whereas but it is a biological food, it is it, function. It is. And so expressing it and directing it, you you know, the Bible never says follow your heart, it says direct your heart mm. in the way it should go. So you have to direct that desire toward the right target at the mm-hmm. right time mm-hmm. and say no, which is hard. And so I think parents, the, 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 the tension here is not being too lenient on it, but not being too oppressive or overly harsh about it either, because you want to foster a transparent uh, relationship. And so I think kids are afraid, oh my goodness, if I blow it again, you know, mom said next time I'm losing my phone. And so I'm not going to tell her. Well, you know, mom doesn't need to say, next time you do this, I'm going to take something away. Then that shuts down the the transparency. Okay. You know, so I would recommend to parents, I mean, there are, you might have that in your mind that you're going to take away their phone next time. That's fine. Just don't tell the kid that, you Uh know, create an atmosphere of let's talk about this and let's talk. This is a normal struggle a biological struggle in some ways, but a spiritual struggle. In other words, let's mm-hmm. talk about this and be honest about it. Okay, so you talked about fostering an atmosphere of transparency. What are some things that you've seen parents do that are really not helpful if a child does fail? Yeah, I think responding in anger overly harsh uh, to this is uh, it, it just creates more of a of a competitive atmosphere between parent and child rather than cooperative. Mm. Um, and, and so, yeah, the parent's devastated. And it could be one thing to be devastated about it um, and, and express remorse. That's fine for a parent to do. But it's another thing to be devastated about it because it's hurt your reputation as a parent. No. 
And now you've made my life harder, kid. You know, that kind of attitude is what the kid's thinking, well, great, now I've made mom's, you know, life harder with my own struggles. So I think the parent has to say, hey, I'm willing to be cooperatively involved, no matter how hard this is, no matter how difficult this may be, I want to be involved in your life. I want to help you. Being called to be a parent doesn't mean you're being called to be perfect. We need forgiveness. We need the forgiveness of our own kids. And so when we're wrong as parents, we need to humbly go to our kids and say, you Mm. know what? Daddy Mm. was harsh or daddy shouldn't have said that. Daddy was wrong and whatever it was, and it was sinful. Will you forgive me? Mm. I've asked God to forgive me. Would you forgive me? Mm -hmm. You know, and make it right relationally, you know, in the horizontal sense, not just vertically with God, God forgive me, but go to those kids and, and get it right. And I think that demonstrates the gospel as much as anything. Your dad needs the gospel. There's only one perfect parent, and he's in heaven. Yeah. You know, the rest of us are imperfect parents. And so we model the need, our need for the gospel to our kids. I think yeah. we, we, we bind our own consciences by trying to be perfect parents when we're not, mm. and we're never going to be. Yeah. On my best day, I've never been a perfect parent, you know. Yeah. So we all need to know that the call to parenting is not the call a call to perfection, mm. but a call to expressing the gospel and, and living in the gospel and asking for, for, for forgiveness. Yeah, and, and that really leads into the next question because one thing I've found as far as breaking the power of sin is how important it is to live in the light, like mm-hmm. First John talks about. And I don't mean just I'm going to confess specific sins, but that all of life lived in a transparent way with at least someone where I can really share mm. what's going on deep inside. Right. Um, but that requires trust. And you had already talked about one way that a parent can develop trust is by being vulnerable with their kids when they when they fail. Mm-hmm. What are some other things that a parent could do to develop trust? Yeah, the um, that, that's so good because it, it really is the essence, I think, of relationship, you know. And um, for parents, building trust with their kids is, you know, being faithful, doing what you say you're going to do. Not mm. that parents are going to be perfectly faithful, but when they blow it, they ask for forgiveness. Yeah, you know, that, yeah. that's the, that's the nice thing about not, you know, not, not having to think I have to be perfect. I have forgiveness there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think parents can build trust with their kids by entering into their world, giving them wisdom, listening to their kids, asking questions oh. rather than lecturing. Okay. You know? Okay. Cause I think a lot of times, well, even this morning, one of two of my kids started new jobs today, and um, wow. and I wake I wake up early, and so I was up. It was five something. So one of them woke up and came in, and I just, you know, rather than you know the dad in me wants to say, "Be careful, don't listen to me, <laughs> don't you know," and give them all this advice, I just tried to say, "Are you excited? You know, I've been praying for you." Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of affirmation kind of thing. I thought like that wasn't a time for a dad lecture, you know? <laughs> so there are, there are times for those, but keeping those, asking questions, getting involved, showing interest, 
I'm excited for you. I'm praying for you. Okay. That kind of thing is what I did. And then the other one woke up and got breakfast and came in and sat down in, in my little office area where I was and uh, and just wanted to be with me. And so I was mm-hmm. doing something else on the computer and I, I paused it, put it away and just focused in and, you know, and spent time with them and talked about their first day and my first day and just more sharing stories than lecturing. Okay, so okay. I think just building relationship. What sorts of things would destroy trust? Well, the I think when you gossip to one child about another one, oh. you know, it's like, well, he's talking about my sister. I wonder what he tells her about me. Yeah, yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Yep. Um, I think when parents fuss and fight, that's the number one way that kids are provoked to anger. So, Fighting between the two parents. The parents, okay. yeah. So they watch them rather than hugging and kissing and loving they're fussing and fighting and so i think it i think it bothers kids oh yeah when they see that they don't know is this the one they're going to get divorced and or is this you know so making sure that if you fuss in front of your kids that your kids see you reconcile because Mm. it's a public offense you need to publicly reconcile you know right let them see that um to develop trust and not kill trust um, and just any of that relationship. I mean, you know, even snot, even remarks about like, um, oh, there's the police. They're going to pull me over. You know, I'm going too fast. Those send messages. I, rem- you know, mm-hmm. I mean, just I remember reading a book by a guy named Jay Younts who wrote Everyday Talk. And in the book, it's just the dad says two words, but he's wanting to go golfing. He looks out the window and it's raining. And the little kid is there next to him, his son. And he goes, stupid rain. Well, the message, and then Jay kind of unpacks, Jay Younts in this book unpacks how that those two words, stupid rain, influence the kid to say, you know, God brings rain. We teach them that, that God is the giver of rain. It's not Mother Nature. And so what am I saying? What kind of message am I sending that I don't like the rain? I don't like God's new plans for me. My plans are more important. I mean, and he just unpacks that in a powerful way. And you think, wow, two little words. Mm. But I think for us, if we make comments like, oh, I hope the cops aren't out or I hope they don't see me. It's like you're encouraging breaking the law, you know, and you're not encouraging righteousness and and justice. So the messages we send our kids through what we do, you know, cheating in a game or do, you know, it, it's it sends a message. It's okay to do that. Dad cheats. I can yeah, cheat. You yeah, know? so it's so true. It's very convicting to be a parent. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that really is again leading right into the next question because the Bible talks a lot about how important character and integrity are. Uh, God values these things, but He also knows that. Character and value will protect us. Um, if you are a liar, you are setting yourself up for a lot of painful situations. But if you cultivate honesty, then yeah, it, it'll lead you into uncomfortable situations, but you're not destroying your character. Um, so, what are some things that you would say a parent could do? Again, not just let's just deal with this one sin, mm-hmm. but to cultivate over. Uh, just an overall 
good character. Um, you know, I talk about in, in a book I wrote called How Not to Raise an Addict. I try to teach parents in there the five mentalities of a drug addict are entitlement, consumer mentality, victim mentality, mm. perishing mentality, which actually comes out of Proverbs 31, I think verses 4 through 7 is where you'll see that. And then the um, rebellious mentality. Those are mentalities. Those are ways of looking at life. Right. I use the example, the kid says, Mommy, I'm sad. Can I go play a video game? You know, can I find something that's going to give me pleasure and get me out of my sad mood? You know, that's an addictive mindset at age five. They're not shooting heroin in their arm, but they're thinking like the world thinks, like the culture thinks, and they're turning to something other than Jesus Christ at age five. What are they going to do at age 15, 25, 35? Right. Um, as they age, they're going to turn to heavier mind altering, mood altering, yeah, or sexual pleasure, whatever it may be. And so I want parents to know how to not instill that way of thought so that their kid isn't viewing life in that way, but that they're helping their kids to learn the opposite, which is the put on, be humble be giving, be responsible, be grateful, and be submissive. Mm-hmm. And so I unpack that in, in greater detail. But those are qualities that are godly character qualities that are right. like Jesus Christ. Right, right. To be humble is to not be proud or entitled, mm-hmm. but to, to see myself as undeserving, I haven't earned it, mm-hmm. and whatever God gives me, he's the owner. Maybe he's given me a talent or an ability or, an, or, or a physical item but even that, I'm just a steward of that. Yeah. I should use that talent or that physical item for God's glory. It right. doesn't belong to me. It belongs to him. You know, you laid out this incredible roadmap. I mean, if you had a child who went from those five negative things that mm-hmm. you said to becoming those five positive things, you've dealt with the addiction. Yeah. But on the other hand... Becoming that new person is going to take some time and it's going to take some effort. And, you know, we've just been trained in our culture. I want this thing now. Mm -hmm. I want to be different today. Yeah. And maybe even parents, I want my kid to be different today. As so, you know, for a parent who wants to take the long view, how do you help them to not be discouraged with how long this process can take? I think for what's hard for parents, it's like when I go see my my cousins, uh, my nephews now, my nieces and nephews, they've grown up and it's like, whoa, you've grown six inches or a foot, you know, right. because I don't see them every day. Yeah. But their parents are just like, oh, yeah, this is just normal growth. It's uh-huh, just like uh-huh. the way I see my kids. They're growing. But if we went and saw people we haven't seen for three years, they'd say about my youngest, wow, he's grown, you know. Right, right. So I think parents are seeing them every day and not noticing the character development, the changes, the growth Mm. internally. And so it's easy to get weary and to say, man, they're not growing at all, when really they've grown six inches, Uh spiritually speaking, and we haven't noticed it. So just to encourage doing the, the, the right thing today, growing today, not worried about six years from now, three years from now, but let's do what's right now. Let's be faithful in the little things yeah. and and let God bless us uh, as he sees fit and helping kids to just 
uh, spend time in prayer and in the Word yeah, and yeah. in devotion and having connect connection with God that isn't through the parent but is them with God. That's the the success and um, and that, and so I think parents get weary because they don't see the the six inch growth yeah. that's happening because it's just so gradual. But it is a a long term view, a, a long game rather than thinking about the short game. Do you find that that if a parent gets frustrated, that the children then are frustrated and get discouraged with their own journey? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think children are made to respond to parents, you know. Um, and so that's why we mentioned Ephesians 6, 4 in the last episode, the 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 fathers don't provoke your kids to anger. I mean, I, I think kids are naturally responsive mm-hmm. to parents. That that one's directly to fathers. I think the same's true of mothers. And so a mother who is just henpecking and critical mm-hmm. and and hard on a kid, um, they they respond in that way and they respond to that. But so it's such an important responsibility for parents to think about. When I find my kid in pornography, and I discover this, and it's probably going to happen uh, with you know boys or girls, it, it's so accessible that I don't overreact. That I recognize this is a normal thing, normal in the sense that it happens. It's sin and that it's wrong, but I'm going to take them right to the throne of grace, right. and then help them along this journey in a gradual way, recognizing they're going to be falls and and turns and all of that along the way. It doesn't have to be because we can walk in the spirit and not ever sin. I get that. But likely it's go- they're going yeah, to be, right. you know, just for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, we've covered a lot in these five shows that we've done, and I'm sure we haven't even really scratched the surface. So I just want to end up by giving you a chance to talk freely to parents, if there was one core thing, one really important thing that you would leave with parents, what would you say? I, you know, I, I, um, it's funny with the, the addiction proof parenting and the how not to raise an addict, it's the victim mentality that I think parents unwittingly are fostering in their kids. They're, they're not emphasizing the responsibility aspect and the obedience aspect of their kids. Mm. And so they'll blame, you know, and and kids will latch on to that and blame, well, I'm just like my dad, or I'm just like my mom, or I'll always be this way because this is how I am DNA, or I'm an alcoholic, or I'm a sex addict, or I'm a, you know, whatever that is, which doesn't have to be their identity. You know, true victims really don't want to be victims. The people that I've counseled who've been raped or abused or molested or whatever, they don't want that to be their mm. identity. And yet what I see in our culture is people today want to be victims. And it's just been on my heart a lot. Like people want to say, I've been victimized by you. You know, you're the reason I'm like I am or, you know, this all these kinds of messaging, you know, people want to take on that for, and they're truly not victims. So, so right. I'm not talking about true victim, true sure. victims, yeah. 
want to be very compassionate with them, but people who want to play the victim card when they're truly not victims and they're because they don't want to be responsible. They don't want to take the next step. So I think parents can instill that or encourage that. I don't think they mean to, but they have to be very careful to help their children to see that the responsibility is on that child. And that I think that's a very gracious way to say, you know what, you did this. It wasn't your friend that provoked you. Yes, they said some hard things and you punched them in the face. You know, I, I, I get that they provoked you, but your heart wanted to punch them in the face. Mm. Your heart wanted to respond in a sinful way and not helping our kids to think as victims, but to think as, yeah, I, I, I hit him. I sinned. Mm-hmm. I did what was wrong. The parents that I know that are doing well with this kind of thing are helping their kids to see their need for Christ when, yeah. they, when they help them to see their responsibility. Yeah. As we talked to people during this series, one thing that was really remarkable was how often they mentioned the Shema in Deuteronomy 6, and they did this without us ever mentioning it ourselves. It was really amazing to see God speaking so consistently through his word to different people. And so I hope that the principles of these verses will become the foundation of your own family lives as well. Let me read those words to you as we close. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Wherever you are in your parenting journey, may God make these words the reality of your lives personally. And then may he make them flow through you into the lives of your family. God bless you and thanks for joining us today on Purity for Life. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.